following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. You'll have to excuse me. I'm going to sit down. Um, I am starting to realize that I'm getting to be an older man. And uh, I was out working in the yard a lot yesterday, and I'm pooped. (laughs) Um, It it was hot out yesterday. But before we get started today, um, I want to offer a challenge to you. Ruth is not a very long book. Uh, We are starting in chapter one this week, and over the next few weeks, we are going to do two, three, and four. Um, I would challenge you to, on a daily basis, read this book. Uh, I was driving to and from Corpus uh, several weeks ago in preparation, not for in preparation, I was going to work, but in preparation, I listened to uh, Ruth, and it takes about 15 minutes if I'm listening to it on CD. I read a lot quicker than that, so I'm asking you to make a commitment of 5 to 15 minutes a day to, to read through the the book of Ruth, and glean for yourself what God would have you learn about this amazing woman, her mother-in-law, and the family that was around her during that time frame. Um, Today, what I would like to do is I would like to um, go over the history, and I mean, we start off at the very beginning of a, a book. And one thing that I was taught many, many years ago and um, is when we talk about history, we're talking about his story. We're talking about the story of Jesus. We're talking about our Savior and our Redeemer and how through the scope of time, God has reached down to bring us to a point of where we are today. So even within our own lives, as we are living on a day-to-day basis, and we, I don't know about you, but I get really self-centered with the things that are going on, and I think we'll see this in in Naomi today, too. Um, We forget Romans 8, 28, that all things do work together for the good. And that does not lessen the pain of things that we are going through, but it should give us hope. So we're going to look at some of the history today. Uh, The other thing that uh, goes hand in hand with history is God's sovereign plan in our lives and how he manages to bring us point by point to follow him and follow him more fully. And then lastly, I want to take a look at Ruth and see what the cost of discipleship is. This is one of the best um, phrases as we get into one of the verses later on as far as giving our lives to the Lord and the example that, uh, that Ruth leaves for us to follow. So without any further ado, I'd like to read through the, um, the first chapter of Ruth and then we will start discussing In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilon. 
They were Epaphrodites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite women. Their name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about 10 years. And both Malin and Chilin died, and the woman was left with her two sons, without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law and returned to the country from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and had given them food. So she set out from that place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went away to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you and to to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they have grown? Would you want to refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you will go and where you lodge, I will lodge. For your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if nothing but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. So we start off with this story. It says, during the time of Judges. And the time of Judges is somewhere 400 years, give or take a few years. Um, I don't know when in the time of Judges this came about. We're, we're, we're told when we look in the uh, Gospel of Matthew, in the genealogy of Jesus in the first chapter, that uh, a gentleman that w- will become 
um, very important to Naomi in a little bit, or, yeah, to Ruth in a little bit, um, was born of Rahab, which is right as the Israelites are getting into Judges. And then you see that the children that Ruth will have later on that carry on the line that brings to King David um, is towards the end of the time of the book of Judges. So take your pick as far as when it happened within there. It's, it's very difficult. We just know that it happened in the time of Judges. And these people were in a town called Bethlehem, and a lot of you probably know this already, but Bethlehem means, whenever you have Beth, it means house, and Lehem is of bread, so it's the house of bread. And as a consequence, they're in the house of bread, and there's no bread to eat. Uh, we are given the name of the person. The name of the person is, is Elimelech. Again, another interesting name. Uh, Elimelech means God of my king. Yet during the time of judges, there were no kings. The time of judges was um, marked with the phrase, there was no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So that sums up the time frame that they're living in. It would almost be like today where, you know, they, they had the Torah at that time. They, they knew what the law of God was, but they weren't following after it. And we have the written scriptures before us today, and we do not submit ourselves to what the scriptures say. So it, that would be the type of attitude that, would, that we're talking about here. The wife's name was Naomi. Naomi is a... Um, actually translates as being pleasant. So when you see at the very beginning, she's calling her, you know, she, her name meant pleasant, and then at the end of the book, or at the end of the chapter, she's saying that her life is bitter or her name is bitter. There's a change that happens over the course of the years that she's gone. Um, so anyway, there's a, there's a famine in the land, and being a famine in the land, there, it, for me, it's, it would be the equivalent of that I had a job and you know all of a sudden I lose my job and I no longer can take care of it. Uh, my household here and there's a, there's a job opening in this one place or this one country that really isn't too friendly to us. Uh, I was thinking, you know, it's almost like whenever ISIS was in control that, you know, I would have to go and move to the country of ISIS because the Moabites, um, again, when you look back in the the time frame of, of Moses, the Moabite uh, country, came from Lot, so they go back several hundred years beforehand. Uh, the Israelites were trying to move through Moab. Moab did not want them to go through, and this is one of the most famous sections in the Old Testament. Read Numbers 23, 24, 25. It all talks about Balaam trying to curse God's people and what happens during that time frame. Well, so the Moabites and the Israelites don't get along too well to begin with, and they hold grudges much better than we do here in the States. So even after several hundred years, there's still kind of a grudge match of things going on with um, the Moabites. Because even after this time frame, you see time and time again that the nation of Judah 
as you go through Chronicles and Kings is at war with Moab. And you actually have some of the minor prophets that make prophecies against Moab because of the things that they have done over the course of time. So there really isn't a, a, a nice brotherly love between these people. But that's where the jobs are. So Elimelech gets up, lifts up his family, takes them along. Uh, anyone want to tell me how old Malin and Chillin are? If you do, you know more than I do because the scripture doesn't say. Um, and again, we know that they're old enough within this 10-year time frame to get married, but we don't know when in the time frame they do. One of the things that I, that I wrestle with whenever I go through the Old Testament and their stories that are given in the Old Testament, whenever I read a story today, they're linear. In other words, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. When you read the Old Testament, and remember when we went through, or when we were going through Genesis, the same thing happened. You would read about Abraham up to a certain part, and then all of a sudden Isaac takes over, and you read for Isaac for the next few chapters, and then you see Jacob and Esau have been born, which is 60 to 80 years later, and then all of a sudden Abraham pops up again and he dies. And you see the same thing. So, Stories don't go linear in the Old Testament, so it's really difficult sometimes when you're reading through to say, oh, well, they got married, they were married for 10 years. Not necessarily so. They may have been married up to 10 years, but we really don't know what time frame it was. Uh, again, whenever people got married at that time, they, were, they usually got married fairly young as far as the women did, and uh, even if you put them at 16 years of age of getting married, they lived with them for another 10 years, there's some time, some time uh, somewhere between the ages of, of 16 and 26 whenever, uh, they, whenever the, their husbands die. Enough of the boring stuff. I find it fascinating, but um, because in all of this, God is orchestrating his plan. And even though there's tragedy that's going on for Naomi, I mean, imagine, I mean, I, I can only imagine where my wife and my children were killed within a 10-year time frame and wondering, was there something that I could have done? There's something that I should have done God, why have you done this to me? Um, very, very common phrase point. And in all honesty, if you were to come up at quote Romans 8.28 to me at this time, I'm not sure that I would be very receptive to it. I might appreciate your prayers on Romans 8.28, that it would be revealed over the course of time. But because of bitterness, because of um, just the sense of loss in regards to this, it would probably take me a long time before I would start feeling like I wanted to talk a whole lot about it. So again, scripture is very, very clear on bitterness. Uh, it says, let no, in Hebrews it says, let no root of bitterness take hold. 
because the unfortunate thing is, is that over the course of time, if that root of bitterness does not come out, uh, it pours over into other areas of our life time and time again. So we have Naomi saying that she's bitter. We have the group of um, friends that are, that are gathering around her. But before we get to there, um, let's take a look at Ruth and Orpah. Ruth and Orpah, um, again, when you look at the, they came from a culture where sex drove a lot of things. And the reason I say that is because two of the major gods that they worshiped, one was called Chemosh. Uh, Chemosh um, was their major god. Uh, they did also worship Baal because when you look within the countryside and the names of their towns around, a lot of their towns have the name Baal in front of them. Uh, they also worship Asarti, which is the fertility godless. But Chemosh was their chief god, and actually if you look in Chronicles later on, you will see one of the kings of, of Moab sacrificing his son upon an altar in the wrath turning against the nation of Israel whenever, whenever he does that. So their God demanded human sacrifice. Uh, so this is the culture that, that Ruth and Orpah came from. And as they are going along, getting ready to return to Bethlehem, uh, first of all, I don't know why they would attach themselves to their mother-in-law. Um, <laughs> I see some people smiling out there. Um, but <laughs> they've attached themselves to their mother-in-law and they're willing to go back. But Naomi is dissuading them from going back. She uh, really, I don't know the reason why, but she did not want them to go. Orpah decides not to go. And we see that whenever she kisses her mother goodbye, but we also see our mother-in-law goodbye, but we also see that Ruth clings to her. And whenever you see this happening, you have to start questioning, why do we have two people that are basically married into the same household and one of them has managed to grasp who the Lord God Almighty is through the life of Naomi and her son and the other may have grasped it but it wasn't that important and it's the same type of thing that we have with our relationship with Jesus we can have the same thing happen with different individuals and one will respond positively and another will respond negatively. I moved to San Antonio back in 1992, so um, a few years ago. And one of the things that I remember when I first moved back here, and, and it impressed me quite a bit, they had two articles in um, the Tribune at that time, the San Antonio Tribune. 
And they were both about two different individuals that had been involved in accidents where they were paralyzed. And one was an atheist that was paralyzed, and the other was the son of a pastor, and he was paralyzed. And they were reviewing each one of their histories and seeing what type of attitude they had toward the things that went on. And it was interesting to see that the atheist, whenever he was paralyzed, came to a saving faith in Christ and thanked God for bringing him to that. And nothing against pastor's sons, um, but in this case, he chose to turn his back on God because what had happened. And again, I can only imagine different things that can, that can go on with this. Uh, I, I've not been faced with anything like that um, up until, you know, recently. I mean, people I know have been faced with um, different adversity. But are we choosing to cling to God? Are we choosing to turn our back on God on the basis of what has happened? Now, Naomi recognized, you know, within her daughters-in-law, she basically commends both of them for the kindness that, she had, that they had shown to her sons and to her. So I would say these are two people that are unbelievers, yet they were showing kindness to those that, that were believers. And she thanked them. So this makes me wonder, you know, within my own life, am I thankful enough to those that are around me, even to those that do not believe, to thank them for the kindness that they show me in different situations? So anyway, that's the first 10 years. The next few things only take over the next few days. Um, the journey from Moab to Bethlehem, is between three and four days, um, so it's, it's not that far. Uh, we do not know where on the road that uh, Naomi basically tells them to, um, to turn back. One of the things that I've learned recently is that uh, when we are only getting given part of the facts, we like to make stories with the rest of the facts. And um, as a consequence, uh, I don't like making stories with what Scripture says. Uh, I like if the Scripture just says one thing, just to try to stick with what the Scripture has to say as opposed to saying, well, this could have happened or this could have happened. But somewhere along the journey, Ruth and Orpah are confronted with this thing of whether or not to go on or to go back to their home. And... As I said earlier, Orpah decides to go back to her gods. But I want you to look at what Ruth's response is. Ruth's response is, your God shall be my God. She doesn't use the plural to describe what's going on. She knows that she has given up 
the multiplicity of her gods and choosing to follow after the one God. She saw something in the lies, and I've mentioned this earlier, of Ruth, even, I'm sorry, and Naomi and her sons that she did not grasp in the lives of the people around her. There was something special about, and I, I, the reason why I'm reading into this is because why else would you give up your family, your gods, your country to follow after something that is completely antithesis? Think about if you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and your family was antagonistic against you whenever you came to know the Lord Jesus. It was completely incomprehensible to them that you would choose this way. So for Ruth, it's the same thing. It's incomprehensible that she would give up her culture and everything else to move to a land that she doesn't know to take care of her mother-in-law. Especially since her mother-in-law has told her, listen, I don't have any more husbands for you. You're going to, you know, you're going to go back here and uh, you're going to see that there's really not a whole lot of hope because within the Jewish culture, one of the things I didn't mention is that if you look in Deuteronomy 23, you will see that um, Moses tells the nation of Israel that Unto the tenth generation, no Moabite will enter into the assembly of the Lord. That they're cut off. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't worship the Lord God. It just means that they can't go into the tabernacle area during that time frame. Uh, later on, you'll see in Nehemiah and Ezra, whenever the priest and the people had married the foreigners of the land. Part of the foreigners of the land were the Moabites. And literally, Nehemiah pulled out the hair of the children and the, and the parents and kicked them around and cursed them because they were not following after God. They were, they were foreigners. Now, I'm not saying that we need to do that to the non-believers that are around us. But this is, this is the importance that it was to the Jewish nation at that time. So why would a woman, knowing that she's walking into something like this, agree to do so unless there is something very, very attractive about that God? Matter of fact, attractive enough that she was willing to attach herself. This, I mean, this is the same thing that the the disciples did when they were following Jesus. Think about this. Peter's response, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. Think of the response when Jesus addressed the rich young ruler, go sell all that you have, come and follow me. Time and time again, we are encouraged to follow completely. I remember a gentleman that I, that I once, uh, he died a couple of years ago at 104, but he's one of my heroes of the faith because 
Um, he was one of the, I, I was, uh, spiritually I was raised with a group called the Navigators. So um, uh, as a consequence, a lot of my um, people that I have looked at their walks with the Lord come from that particular organization. But this, this gentleman's name is Jim Downing. He was an admiral during World War II, or he became an admiral after World War II. Uh, at the age of 67, which is the age that I am right now, uh, he was heard about this church in Washington, D.C. that had fellowship or Koinonia nailed pretty well. And he was living in Colorado Springs. And because he wanted to learn, because he wanted to be discipled, because he wanted to, here, here's a man that has followed after Jesus for over 40 years and still recognizing that there's a portion of his life that he cannot, um, that he can improve on with his relationship with God. He packed up his wife and himself and moved to Washington, D.C. for three years so that he could be discipled to learn how to fellowship. I have countless other stories of men whenever they saw the quality of life of someone and they said, I want what you have, teach me. Have you reached that point in your life? like Ruth has here, that she still wants to learn from Naomi. She knows that she has not learned everything that she can from her and is willing to pack up and go. So anyway, she packs up and goes. And then they enter into Bethlehem. And even though this church isn't 10 years old yet, this would be along the same lines of someone that had been in the church 10 years ago and they come back and they're visiting the church and you look at them and say, is this Bob? Is Bob back amongst us now? And I say, well, don't call me Bob. Don't call me Bob. The Lord has, I've had a really rough time in these 10 years the Lord has been unkind to me. Hopefully I wouldn't say that, but you understand whenever I say this is because things happen and when things happen, I still may cling to the God, but I, I have this heart where I can't see where this is going. I've, I've lost the focus that God is sovereign, that things are going to work out for his glory, not for my glory. We have to remember it's never for my glory. It's always for his glory. So they come back and Naomi says, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. I would love to keep preaching because there's good things in two, three, and four, but I have to leave it at that. And this is one of the reasons I encourage you to read the entire story. Because we do know that in Matthew, 
that Ruth will beget Obed, that Obed begets Jesse, and that Jesse begets David, and we know where our Savior comes from, the line of David. So with this portion fitting in here, even though it is bitter for Naomi at this time, it's through the bitterness of Naomi and the grace of our Lord God that brings us to where we have a Savior that we can trust in today. That is what I have learned over the last few weeks. So the question I have for myself is, do I remember that it is his story, not my history? Do I remember that God is sovereign in every single thing that happens, even whenever I don't like what has happened? And lastly, although I am 67 years old, I do not have things so squared away that I do not need to be discipled, that I do not need to be around people that can encourage me in my walk with others. I know a lot of my shortcomings, and some of you who have seen me probably know more of my shortcomings than I do because I have closed my eyes to some of them. But on the same token, I would encourage us to look for those relationships that are going to draw us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ because Proverbs states, iron sharpens iron, so does a man sharpen the countenance of another man. As our walk with Jesus is not a walk alone, but it's a walk amongst friends, brothers, sisters. Again, so that not that we be glorified, but Jesus be glorified. With that, let's end in prayer. Our Lord and God, again we pray and come before you and ask that you would be glorified in all things. Lord, help us to remember that you are God and that we are not Help us to remember that you are not a genie in the bottle, that whenever we come and pray before you and ask, that we ask with humility. We ask in a sense that you would receive the praise, the honor, and the glory, not us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would convict us of sin, would draw us to yourself, and Lord, would manifest in such a way that the love that you've given us in your son, Jesus, would overflow to those that are around us and be attractive, that we would be an odor, well-pleasing, that would bring others to Christ, Lord God, we want your word to go out with boldness, with confidence. 
So give us the words to share the love that you have given to us in your son, Jesus. For it's in his precious name we pray. Amen.